Welcome to What Healthy Couples Know That You Don't, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the relationship you truly want. Welcome to Manipulators and Being Manipulated in Relationships, Episode 71. I'm Rhoda, and today I have with me Dr. Simon. He is a psychologist and internationally recognized expert on manipulators and other problem personality disorders, and the author of three best-selling books, including in Sheep's Clothing, Understanding and Dealing with Manipulative People, which has over 1,000 reviews on Amazon for five stars. Dr. Simon also recently retired as a supervising psychologist for the Arkansas Department of Corrections. He also writes a blog on his website, drgeorgesimon.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, it's my pleasure, Rhoda, to be here. Let's begin with you defining manipulation for my audience so we can all be on the same page. Yes, well, I, uh, I say in my book, In Sheep's Clothing, that uh, dealing with a manipulator is like getting a whiplash. You know what uh, has happened after the fact, you know, uh, but uh, most part, Manipulation is accomplished through covert aggression. This was the discovery that I made many, many years ago when the book, uh, my first book in sheep's clothing started to gain traction. Um, now we know the effect of covert aggression as the gaslighting effect, but it's that crazy making feeling where you know something's not right with the way the person uh, in your life is dealing with you. Uh, you you suspect that they're up to something. You suspect that they're trying to get the better of you. You're suspect, you suspect that they're just fighting to have their way uh, to get you to come over to their way of thinking, et cetera, et cetera. That's what you feel in your gut, but you can't prove it. You can't objectively verify it because the fighting they do is so stealthful and, uh, and surreptitious and they... Uh, and they know how to uh, manage your impression of them um, by uh, turn, either turning on the charm or uh, looking relatively benign on the surface, all the while they're trying to take advantage of you. So this produces what we now know as the gaslighting effect. Uh, but how most people get manipulated is they don't trust their instincts. They, uh, they don't trust the fact that their gut is right and that people fight in all kinds of um, subtle and hard to detect ways. It's just the way uh, things are in the world these days. And uh, manipulators use a wide variety of tactics to play on your sensitivities and your good nature and to basically take advantage of you. And I outline all of those in my books. Yes, I think that's exactly right. I've had so many women and men tell me that they really thought something wasn't right, and, but they don't listen to themselves. So I, I agree with you that trusting instincts is something, and it's certainly something I try to make a focus when I'm working on recovery with people. Yeah. Well, well for example, when, when someone, uh, let's say you confront someone on something horrible they've done. In your relationship, maybe they uh, maybe they have been unfaithful again, and you confront them uh, on this, 
And then uh, instead of owning what they did, uh, they began to use the tactic of blaming you or acting like they themselves were the victim, playing the victim role, maybe even turning on the waterworks um, and acting as if they are the aggrieved party. In your gut, you feel like they're just trying to get away with things, but you don't trust that because what you see on the outside is a very different behavior, or at least it appears like different behavior, and you don't trust yourself. But uh, the, the revelation that I had uh, years ago is that the psychology that we have long held, the psychology that's rooted in people's fears and insecurities, is very inappropriate and almost damaging for our time. Because the problem with many folks uh, who are what I call on the character disturbance spectrum these days is not so much what they're afraid of or what they run from or what they're in, insecure about. It's, this, it's the unhealthy way that they fight for the things that they want in life and the tactics they're willing to use to manipulate and control others. That's a much, much bigger problem. And we've only recently developed the psychology for it. And, and frankly, um, as maybe we'll talk about later, uh, even to this day, many therapists don't get it. Um, and so when people go looking for help, many, many times they can't find it. I, I agree. I, you know, it's interesting because back in the old days with insurance companies, if you labeled somebody a personality disorder or a character disorder as part of their diagnosis, they often would limit the number of sessions. So I think that fed into therapists not clocking it as much as they needed to. And right. I, I think that's a, was a real detriment and that doesn't happen now, uh, but it did for a long period of time. Yes. When, I'm, when I'm in a bad mood, I fear that manipulators, of course, being on a continuum, fill 80% of the world. And when I'm in a good mood, I think maybe 65 to 70%. Of course, that is a wide continuum and a wide range because not everyone is a total narcissistic personality disorder just because you read it on the internet. But what are your thoughts on my made-up statistics and why are manipulators Manipulators so good at manipulating. Yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's unfortunate, I think. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's all yeah. kinds of statistics. There's all kinds of experts um, on narcissism and various other forms of character disturbance. But there's a lot more information, misinformation out there. And, and by the way, some of these experts mm -hmm. are people who are self-described recovering Narcissist? Yes, I thought that myself. Any, yes. I'm not going to mention any names, but one person dares to say, now just think about this. Just, just sit back for a minute and digest this a little bit. One person says, uh, I, am a, I am a person who can't feel. I have no empathy. Uh, my entire purpose is to use and abuse you. Now, listen to me because I can tell you how to deal with people like <laughs> I mean, I mean, just on its surface, yes. some of the stuff out there is just unbelievably ridiculous. Uh, so what I tell people most of the time is even though you desperately want to understand, 
because you're you're suffering the effects of the that gaslighting effect and you're trying to put the pieces together and you want to understand what happened to you so you don't um you don't uh, repeat some of the same mistakes i tell them that all this information is well and good but it really won't help you what really will help is to judge behavior on its own merits and quit trying to second guess uh what their personality makeup is or why they do the things they do or how likely it is that they will change. Uh, the important thing is judge the behavior, set the limits, set the boundaries. You have a right to, to determine what kinds of behaviors you'll tolerate. You have a right to determine what kind of actions you'll take. You have a right to determine just what kinds of behaviors you'll put up with in a relationship. Stick to the behaviors and don't worry about the rest. That's my number one. Uh, I, I totally agree. Actions speak louder than words. Yes. And what lines up. That's excellent. I, I totally agree with that. And I often think about how many times people will come in and say to me that they, they keep reporting this action didn't line up, this didn't line up, this didn't line up, and they still doubt themselves. It's, it's so hard sometimes to wade through that information. Yeah. So, uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, it, 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 there's so much information out there. And it does feel good in a way to think that you understand that you have a handle on what happened to you and why it happened and what the true nature of your relationship is. That does, uh, you know, reduce some of the cognitive dissonance, we call it, and it does reduce some of the anxiety you might have. But there's absolutely no substitute for uh, judging behavior on its own merits. And when I do my professional training workshops, mm -hmm. I have another number of vignettes and videos and whatnot that, that I use to demonstrate the point. And uh, by the time I get through with that, I usually have a few converts in the, in the audience. But uh, therapists are, are just as guilty as other folks in always wanting to understand mm -hmm. because think that we can, we're under the, um, the delusion, basically, that if we can understand the underlying motivations of someone and their underlying makeup, and if we could just tend to their, to their, to their wounds, uh, their learning failures, or whatever the case may be, that we can make things better. Uh, and the fact is that only, uh, only the person committing the behavior can make a change in that behavior. Uh, and so it's our job to set the appropriate uh, boundaries and limits that we want in a relationship and to deal with our own behavior that may be um, self-limiting, maybe self-defeating, um, and judge it on its own merits. I certainly agree with that. I, I think that many times there needs to be a little more crispness. Um, somebody wrote a review of me and they said that I was challenging and I appreciated that because it's not 
it's not about just reinforcing and, and caring. It's, it's this real art and science of challenge and support. And if the challenge is missing and you're not looking at yourself and just blaming the other person, therapy is not going to help as much. I, I appreciate you saying that very much because uh, I, in my workshops, I also tell uh, potential healers that these days, the art of loving is the art of benign confrontation. And that, that is basically you have to confront dysfunctional behavior patterns. Yes. And abuse victims. You have to confront uh, dysfunctional behavior patterns in a truly loving, caring, and supportive way. Uh, confrontation has a bad name. Yes. Uh, fortunately. Uh, and I, I think you can't really grow unless you're willing to do confrontation. And if I have a really good relationship with my people, I can say very hard things. And I think the saddest thing about our world right now is that people are not honest and truthful. They will send a text, they will avoid, they will deflect. But that actual kind of wrestling with truth is often short-circuited, and it lets people continue their behaviors that keep them stuck in bad relationships. Oh, my goodness. Uh, you've said a mouthful right there. <laughs> and uh, let me add to that. When, for example, someone who, uh, let, let's just take uh, an example of someone who uh, is a, a sensation seeker, uh, and they're, they're pretty shallow in their relationships, and uh, they, they go after uh, conquest after conquest after conquest, um, using and abusing, uh, and then tossing away uh, their, uh, their victims. And then uh, they're somehow dragged into a therapist's office, and that therapist wants to explore uh, their inner child and their insecurities and the uh, the. the uh, presumed, uh, quote-unquote, fears of intimacy uh, that must fuel that behavior, that person is going to already know that they've got um, a tactical advantage over the therapist. Yes. They already know that they have really good manipulation potential because the, the therapist is making all these assumptions about the underlying unconscious reasons for their behavior, but they already know why they do what they do. Um, and so as soon as they realize um, that the, the uh, therapist is not going to confront them, and especially is not going to confront them on their behavior and on its own merits, um, it's not only that nothing meaningful is going to happen in the way of constructive change, but there's a whole lot of enabling that goes on there with the relationship partner. Uh, and I call that therapy induced trauma. In other words, the person, you know, finally drugged this person in hoping to get help. And um, the situation is not only perpetuated, but made worse. Yes. I, I, it just popped into my memory is uh, someone brought, dragged somebody in and I asked whether or not he had worn protection um, when he had sex with some other people. And he looked at me so surprised and said, no. And of course, 
she hadn't asked that question and was completely shocked. But those asking those hard questions is really important in terms of creating more truth and safety. And I think it's so important. So one of the questions I had for you was about manipulators and why they manipulate. And I was thinking it was really that joy of power over other people. But I wondered what you thought about that. I I think it's more practical than that. Okay. We fight for the things we want. Yeah, we do. (laughs) And by the way, human beings do much more infinitely more fighting in life than they do running. Um, uh, As a matter of fact, most of life uh, is all about that. And if we're we're principled in the way we go about it, if we fight for the things we want uh, in some fairly disciplined ways with some care and concern for how our uh, behavior might impact others, and we have some concept of a bigger picture, and we observe some kind of moral code, then our, our uh, behavior is best termed assertive behavior. And that's the best kind of behavior that we can uh, exhibit. But when we fight for the things we want, without care for who we hurt, uh, without care for certain limits and boundaries, when there's no guiding principle governing how we fight, uh, then we're just plain aggressive. And if we keep it undercover, uh, uh, like good manipulators do, we can, uh, we can fight more effectively many times. And if we're also good impression managers at the same time, we're even more effective manipulators and covert aggressors. Uh, so we do it because we want things. We want our way. We want to have things. Uh, it does give some people a sense of power. But that's not the principal. Um, that's not the principal aim of most people. Most people just want what they want. And by the way, if they're character immature, uh, they want it now. Uh, they want it the quick and easy way. Uh, and they've learned these tactics to have their way, basically. And the more often they win and succeed, it totally reinforces continuing to go about it that way. Yes. Yeah. What are some of the specific ways manipulators manipulate other people? Once I read about one I read about in your book was sowing confusion so others back down. Could you share more about this and other power tactics? Yeah. Well, I, you know, in my book in Sheep's Clothing, I outline uh, the more more popular power tactics. I call them offensive power tactics. Many times uh, we have considered these. Uh, power tactics, uh, defense mechanisms, believe it or not. Uh, For example, uh, excuse making or what we used to call rationalization. Uh, We used to consider this uh, an unconscious way to defend oneself against feelings of horrible guilt that would just destroy a person uh, if they acknowledged them. So, they basically uh, were thought to have come up unconsciously with a way to excuse behavior their conscience wouldn't let them get away with. But when uh, when manipulators are excuse-making or confusion or diverting attention to something else or blaming you or any of the other tactics I outline, all they're trying to do is win in their engagement with you 
to get you to get off their back, see things their way, so they can continue to have things their way without interference and without contesting from you. It gives them a position of advantage. It puts you in the position of tending to their desires uh, and not satisfying your own. And that's just the way they'd like it. So uh, this is a, uh, this is a well-equipped arsenal that most folks bring into a relationship who have character disturbances, whether they be narcissists or one of the aggressive personalities that I uh, outline in the book. Their basic agenda is to have their way and to look good while doing it, or at, look, at least look relatively benign while, while doing it. And these tactics are the way to get you to cave in. I, I really like what you say about impression management because I say to my clients, nice is not the same as good. The big bad wolf was really nice to Little Ride Riding Hood before he swallowed up her grandmother. I can't tell you how many times I've used that line. Yeah, I, I use a similar line. Uh, looking good is easy. Being good ain't so easy. That's right. <laughs> how, how do those who are manipulated expose themselves and make themselves vulnerable to manipulators? I often have clients who give me a history of five or six abusive relationships in a row. These are smart people. How do they return over and over? And why is it so hard for them to leave dreadful relationships? Boy, I wish there was one single answer to that. I too have had that uh, same experience. Uh, however, there is one common variable to folks who have uh, a history of being abused, and that is that these are generally uh, conscientious, good-natured people who uh, want to see the best in others, uh, who uh, take most things, um, uh, uh, who most of the time, excuse me, give folks the benefit of the doubt, are hesitant to harshly judge. They're agreeable sorts. Uh, um, yes. Uh, uh, some books have been written about the two uh, uh, primary traits and the personalities of folks who, who uh come to be abused often enough in relationships. And uh, the, the one factor has been termed agreeableness. Uh, in other words, they, they accommodate too easy. Mm. They, they say yes when they really want to say no, but they feel bad about saying no. So they say yes <laughs> uh, instead. And the other trait um, uh, that I uh, mentioned in my book uh, and that the re research is now backing up, um, is uh, uh, an excessive tendency to, to, to defer and, and uh, to be too deferential. Uh, in other words, uh, to throw in the towel, basically, in a little contest and accede to, uh, to the other person's point of view or, or uh, kind of give in and, and do what they want to do instead of what you really want to do. Those two uh, traits seem to go together in folks that get into these uh, relationships over and over again. And uh, believe me, folks who, uh, folks who are prone to abuse and manipulation of all types 
have radar for these kinds of folks. They really love agreeable, good-natured people, people with, with a high degree of conscientiousness, people who want to please, people who want to do the right thing, people who hate to harshly judge, and people who are willing to go along uh, as opposed to put up a fight. They like these qualities. So when they spot somebody that has these qualities, they turn on the charm. And uh, what I say uh, in, in my, uh, my other three books, and, and I make a point of in many of my blog writings, at the outset of a relationship, I find that victims uh, of abusive relationship make one confusing mistake. And that is that they confuse interest for regard. They get so bowled over by the fact that somebody is interested in them enough to not only turn on the charm, but charm, but maybe do things for them, treat them well on the front end. They have all this interest in them, and that interest alone uh, makes them feel good. That's true. Uh, they, they are kind of bowled over by the fact that someone could be this interested in them. But interest does not equal regard. Just because I see something in you that I like or that I want doesn't mean that um, I see you as a person who deserves my respect, uh, who uh, I want to, uh, uh, who I want to positively regard, who I want to help grow just as much as I want to help uh, I want others to help me grow. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means I have an interest in you. And so mistaking interest from regard, I think, at the front end of the relationship is almost always the hook uh, that gets people um, coming back for more, unfortunately. What a lovely distinction, regard versus Interest. Yes, I, I would totally agree with you. And a lot of that can be about insecurity, wanting someone else to validate you and not feeling good enough about who you are. So I think that would be another contributing factor. Well, there's, an, there's another thing that's a little bit more insidious, and that is this. When you've been in a relationship with a disturbed character of any nature, regardless of where they are on the spectrum, you get into a real habit of looking outward far too much. All of your attention and energy is focused on what are they going to do next? How are they going to react if I say or do this? Uh, what kind of mood are they going to be in? Uh, what am I going to have to do to pick up the pieces when they do this next? You are so externally focused you don't only lose yourself, you forget yourself. That's right. You, you, and you basically train yourself to focus externally. And there's two really big dangers there. That's the breeding ground for emotional dependency. And it's also the breeding ground for depression. Because people, places, and things, and their actions... Uh, and their events are not things that we have the power to control. So if all of our energy and our attention is focused 
on people, places, and things that we can't possibly control, but we entertain the delusion that we can control, uh, we're going to get frustrated, angry, and eventually depressed. It follows us a a progressive uh, step-by-step process. There was a researcher many years ago who came up with the learned helplessness model of depression. And this is this behavioral formula for human beings. Uh, When we are invested, when all of our energy is being directed uh, where we don't really have the power to control, uh, we eventually become depressed. And that external kind of thinking is what we get into the habit of whenever we've been into a relationship with someone like this, which is why we tend to repeat the pattern. So the only antidote to that is the behavioral formula for joy, which is focusing all your attention and all your energy where you do have power, namely your behavior. Um, And once folks uh, get the, uh, once they finally get used to the idea that they're the principal person that has to love them first. Uh, and they have to do those loving things for themselves first and, and learn what it is to take proper care of themselves once they start investing in themselves, time and energy-wise and attention-wise, and paying attention to their own behavior patterns and how they're uh, conducting themselves in their pursuit of their own happiness. Once they do that, everything begins to change, everything. And they're not so depressed anymore because over your own behavior, you have absolute power. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was thinking about the show with Connie Britton, Dirty John, which I think is on Netflix. And it's about, it's a, based on a true story of a man who manipulated a very powerful, successful businesswoman. And what you're describing is exactly what happens. It's a different way to look at that show, that she focused everything on figuring him out and trying to understand him with very little examination within herself. So I, I, I think that's such an important point. I'm so glad that you talked about that. Yeah, well, the most skilled predators among us, believe me, are, are, are kind of taking you apart. They're, looking, they're basically filing away mentally everything about how you tend to operate so that they know how to exploit and take advantage of you. Yes, that's true. And you're right. The only thing you really have control of is yourself and bringing yourself. I kind of think of it as bringing yourself back home, you know, kind of getting rooted and centered Uh, like one of those dolls that babies play with that always tip back up, you know, that you're really bad. You've got some ballast. Yeah. So are there any other tools that will help those who feel manipulated that you want to mention so that they move past that feeling that it's really all their fault because they believe the accusations of the expert manipulator? One of the things that I uh, say in my book, In Sheep's Clothing, as I outline all of the what I call the 12 tools of per- personal empowerment, as I make the point that the, all the tools of empowerment have one thing in common. And that is that you not let somebody else's overtures or attempts to sway you be the determining factor. Your heart has to be the determining factor. You have to know 
whether in your own heart, whether your intentions are right, loving, or whatever the case is, and be willing to stand up for those. As soon as you allow yourself to take into consideration somebody else's urging for you to come and see things their way or do things their way or tend to their needs, uh, you're automatically unempowered. So your, your, uh, your personal power is always going to come from knowing your own heart, what it is you need to properly love and grow yourself and to take that action and not let your actions be governed by the tax, by the tactics and the admonitions or the behavior of another. It doesn't matter. Act, I don't say act in utter disregard of, but act not in deference to somebody else's pleadings or urgings or whatnot. Follow your own heart. That's where the power is. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. I really appreciate this. And I, I'm actually, it's the first time I've interviewed somebody and thought, boy, I'd really like to have you back. I only do one a month. So I'm really very careful about that. But you've made so many terrific distinctions and helping people think about manipulation in a non-internet gossip kind of way that I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me today. You're certainly welcome. I'd love to do it again sometime. All right. So you can buy his book, In Sheep's Clothing. Find out more from Dr. Simon on his website. And he has an active blog at drgeorgesimon.com. My September episode will be on the importance of self-confrontation to make relationships work. I hope you'll join me. There are over 450 pages of free information on my website, therapyideas.net. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you for listening to What Healthy Couples Know That You Don't. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and help get the word out. To learn more or connect with Rhoda, visit therapyideas.net.